Welcome to What's in the Basement, a new podcast from the Berkshire Museum. In each episode, we will explore objects and stories from our collection of over 40,000 pieces of art, historical artifacts, and natural specimens. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum and host of What's in the Basement. Today, we are joined by... Finn. And Finn, how old are you? Six years old. And Finn, I have a question. Do you like cheese? Yes. What type of cheese is your favorite type of cheese? Cheddar cheese. Cheddar cheese. How about, would you like 1,200 pounds of cheddar cheese? That might be a little bit too much for me. (laughs) Well, today on What's in the Basement, we are going to reverse our roles, and Finn is going to play host, and I am going to answer some of his questions. Well, then let's get into it. What object are we talking about today? Well, Finn, this is a cylindrical object made of wood and iron that is almost two feet tall and nine inches in diameter. With a screw-like base, it is painted red and has a faded handwritten label that reads, presented by E.D. Foster, grandson of Captain Daniel Brown, to the Honorable James F. Robinson of North Adams, March 1855. The something we can't quite make out, it's a little illegible, is in the possession of the New England Agricultural Society. This actually was part of a larger machine called the cheese press. And what we have here is this screw part um, that you may have guessed from the shape of this object. And this was a particularly large cheese press. In fact, it, it was originally a cider press that was repurposed for one very special occasion. Oh, really? What was that? Well, in 1801, the people of Cheshire, Massachusetts, led by Pastor John Leland, decided to honor the newly elected president, Thomas Jefferson, with a giant block of cheese. That's an interesting gift idea. I imagine there must have been a lot of work involved in that. Well, Finn, you're right. The people contributed milk from hundreds of cows and throughout the summer went through the not-so-present process of cheesemaking which most were familiar with, uh, but on a much smaller scale. They adapted a cider press for the purpose, and in the end, the cheese was four feet in diameter and 15 inches thick. It weighed an estimated 1,230 pounds and had a favorite quote of Jefferson's inscribed on it. Really? Yep, are you ready for this? It was, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. That's a pretty serious motto. Yep, Thomas Jefferson did not fool around with tyrants. So what happened to the giant block of cheese? I am so glad you asked. John Leland took the cheese to Washington, D.C. and presented it to the president on New Year's Day in 1802. Jefferson was the kind of person who did not accept gifts, so he paid Leland $200 for the mammoth cheese. Do you know why the people of Cheshire went through all this trouble? It may seem sort of silly now, but cheese was a really important dietary staple for early New Englanders. Cheese making goes back thousands of years. We have records as far back as 4000 BCE showing that ancient Sumerians were eating cheese. There's a good reason for this that anyone who's ever left their milk out on the counter can understand. Milk spoils quickly, and turning it into cheese is a great way to preserve it. Cheese making was vital for early colonists who brought the process with them from Europe. In fact, they brought cheese with them on the Mayflower. It remained a homemade, essential product until the mid-19th century. 
In the election of 1800, Jefferson had defeated incumbent president and Massachusetts hero John Adams. Cheshire was the only town in the entire state to support Jefferson, and they are still proud of it. You can go visit a concrete monument to the cheese press in Cheshire today. What was the role of the screw in making the great Cheshire cheese? To explain that, we need to understand the broad strokes of cheese making. It's not at all glamorous, but it is a really cool scientific process that has essentially been standardized since the time of the Romans. Although advances in technology have made some things easier. First step is get some milk. We usually think of cow's milk. That's most common, but milk from all kinds of mammals can be used. Like sheep or goats or reindeer or camels even. Cheesemakers added two things to raw milk. A starter, a helpful bacterium that causes the milk to ferment, and an enzyme called rennet, which kicks off a different chemical reaction that causes the milk to thicken. What had been milk separates into solid lumps of curd and liquid whey. Some of the whey is drained out and the curds are cut up and heated. The difference in this step gives us different types of cheeses. Hard, dry cheese like cheddar are cut into tiny pieces and cooked at high temperatures, while moisture cheeses like brie are exposed to very little cutting or heating or stirring. Unripened cheese like cottage or cream cheese are done at this point. Other cheeses need a little bit more processing, and that's where our object comes into play. This is the head and the top part of a screw that controlled the cheese press, which was like a big mold. The cooked curds were pressed and the whey squeezed out, and then the rest was left in place for weeks or months, or in this case, some hard cheeses like sharp cheddar, a year or more. Our brie, meanwhile, would be ready in about a month. Whoa, that's an awesome scientific process. Whatever happened to the mammoth cheese? Excellent question. It was reported to still be at the White House for at least a few years. Legend has it that the last bit of cheese was either served at a presidential reception or thrown into the Potomac River in 1805. Last question, what makes this relevant today? This is an amazing object from our past. The average American eats 37 pounds of cheese a year, but how many of us have ever made our own cheese or even seen it made? Finn, thank you for being host today. You're welcome. Museum basements can be magical places. Even though we can't have all 40,000 objects on display, we can glimpse at the depth and breadth of the museum collection through programs like this. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum. I hope you can join us for future episodes of What's in the Basement.